I am fascinated, intrigued, and honored you may have done what they said you did, but they are magnificent, marvelous. We need to know that you're okay just the way you are, molded now as a child. What you've been through matters. This podcast is designed for you. Love on a mission in a world where human experience is lacking. My name is Ginger Wilk, and we're here to talk about that which matters. Hi, this is Ginger Wilk, and we're back with another episode of That Which Matters. Very excited to be sharing today about uh, relational success patterns. Everybody is interested in relationships and how they can be successful. We all love romantic movies. Everybody is a sucker for a good romantic movie because we love to be able to see the love story played out again and again and again, the joy and excitement of two people coming together and sharing love and um, an understanding of having that companionship and that partnership is so important and intriguing. And in the many years that I have worked in the social service field, in the pastoral care field, I've met with a lot of people who have struggled in this area. Many of us have. Most people have struggled at one time or another with trying to find the, the right relationship and trying to succeed in that relationship and met with a lot of uh, women especially who have just been waiting for so long for the right person, um, may have fumbled through a lot of very bad, very unhealthy, wrong relationships and are waiting for that right person to come along. And the question is always why? Why does it take so long? Especially when they're trying to find somebody that they believe is a divine connection. They're not just looking for anybody. They're looking for somebody who is really uniquely created for them. Um, and they always want to know why it, this is taking so long. And there really isn't an answer to that except that Anything that is really worthwhile usually takes a lot longer or comes in a manner that's much more of a surprise than we would expect. And there are many, many things that I will do in response to this frustration, um, most of which is about let's take a look at your individual life right now and what you need to prepare yourself for before you can become a part of a partnership in allowing yourself to really be in that rightful place. Um, another person does not complete us. I know we love that movie where, um, you know, there's this wonderful line, you know, that comes out and says, you know, you complete me. You, I think it's Tom Cruise, you complete me. And we love that line, but the truth is, is that that is not the reality of being in a marriage or a committed relationship or finding a partnership. We don't complete one another. We actually just have individuals that come together that are whole and healthy and that have unity and equity and partnership together, that walk together. Um, and so a lot of times I think there's this misconception that once we find that one person, that all of a sudden everything is going to be fine, and it's just simply not the case. Uh, I've been married for 35 years, um, and, you know, my marriage, I, we got married when I was very young. I was 22. He was 24. Uh, we have had a very, very great marriage. We've had a lot of wonderful years, but we've also had a lot of dark years. We've also had a lot of difficulties, and I think that you'll find if you ask 
most couples that have stayed together a long time and they're honest with you, they're going to tell you that you're going to hit these moments and these patches and these seasons, sometimes a lot longer than, than you would think that you're just not really sure what's happening. You, you realize that as people, you change, you know, um, you change as an individual, your partner changes as an individual and therefore your marriage changes and you have to be able to adjust to that. You have to be able to say, okay, this is presently what this looks like. And maybe we need to tweak this over here or we need to add this or we need to get back to this. But ultimately, um, you can go through some very, very difficult times in a, a very healthy marriage or partnership and have done everything that you think you should do right and still hit those times, crises, things that blindside you, um, many, many things that you experience. And so just finding somebody does not solve all of your problems. And I, I think that's part of what I try to really bring forth when I meet with people is, yes, it's frustrating. Yes, I know that you're waiting a long time. I know that this is taking a lot longer than you think it should. But please try to work on you and try to get yourself postured so that when you are in that relationship and you hit these patches that are difficult, it's not going to destroy you because you will have your independence and you will have your um, own skills and goals and dreams. Uh, you will be standing on your own and you'll be able to continue to stand on your own in the middle of all of this. So I think what's most important in relational success is realizing that a relationship doesn't solve all of our problems. And, you know, since I have been married and also have done a lot of premarital counseling and marriage counseling through the years, dating and marriage has changed considerably over the years. When I first started doing premarital counseling, it was basically two people that uh, were getting married very young and they basically were growing up together. Part of the premarital marriage manual that was put together was about basic things like asking the groom to be, how much do you think that uh, hair salon visit for your wife is gonna cost or for the bride to be? How much do you think an oil change is gonna cost or whatever? It was, it was about not being shocked by independence that goes along with building this relationship and that's just not the way that it looks right now. A lot of people are getting married a lot later in life. They're establishing their career. Uh, they're having a, a time where they are able to establish themselves independently. They're coming together, you know, getting married more in their 30s than in their 20s, even later than that at times. Um, there's definitely a, um, a sense of, you know, get coming into a blended family where you have sometimes children from prior relationships. So there's some more complicated factors that go into marriage counseling. Uh, there's certainly a lot of other outside external things that have been going on that have certainly impacted relationships. I find a lot of people are not as apt to want to make a, a commitment to somebody. Um, there's a lot more reluctance to being committed. Um, and I think it's just the this, this season of what this sort of generation has been through. Things have been a little shaky. So I think it's impacted relationships as well. But um, definitely people are a lot more settled, older, and it's more complicated for sure. And so therefore, it's going to take 
a lot more wisdom to know how to be able to be successful in these relationships. And I always have said that I recommend premarital counseling for anybody, uh, even people that decide, you know what, we're going to, um, you know, maybe just live together for a while or whatever. If you're going to be in a committed relationship and you're going to make that person your partner in life, at least in however you want to define that, I would say get some premarital counseling. And the reason is, is that premarital counseling is like the difference between uh, having a root canal and having a just a cleaning at the dentist. A root canal is going to be very painful, very costly. And that's what it's like when you enter into a committed relationship and you're not really ready for it. You're going to have to experience a lot more pain than you should would you, if you hadn't been prepared for it. And so a dental cleaning is like premarital counseling. It's where you're preventing things from happening. That's where we're able to identify things like, well, you guys have very different sort of cultural backgrounds. So let's take a look at how that's going to impact you on a day-to-day basis, how it will impact the way you raise children, how it will impact the way you celebrate holidays, how it will impact the way the in-laws or the other family members are going to respond, um, how you decorate your home, how you know you are viewing you know certain things that are are going on on a day-to-day basis or throughout the year, or where we might point out things like um, you know one person has had maybe many, many, many partners in the past and, um, you know, is there a lot of baggage that they're coming to the relationship with and the other one may not have had a lot of relationships. And so the difference in experience, which doesn't mean it's bad, it just means that those are differences that you might have to work through. Uh, simple things, even things like, you know, what is a vacation? You know, what, what, what does that mean when you say, hey, this July, let's have a vacation? you know, let's go on a vacation. One person might be thinking that, you know, well, a vacation is we go visit Aunt Sally in Alabama. And the other person might think we go on an extended, you know, vacation cruise to to Alaska or something. Um, so again, is there anything wrong with going to see Aunt Sally? Absolutely not. There's nothing wrong with going to Alaska. But the truth is, is that you both have different views as to what a vacation is. So you have to even come to that same place of agreement and say, okay, well, you know what? Both of them kind of sound good. Why don't we alternate years or why don't we figure out a way that we can break it up a little bit and get the best of both worlds? Because you don't want to abandon what's important to you. Your partner doesn't want to abandon what's important to them. But there is some compromise and some working together to try to make it you know, um, be something that's enjoyable and predictable in a way. We do need some predictions and some traditions in the relationships. And that comes with the premarital counseling and understanding that. Or a simple thing like, you know, dinner time. What does dinner time look like? Uh, In one household, it might be everybody grabs a plate, you know, throws food on the plate and goes to their own rooms and watches, you know, Netflix or whatever, Another person, it might mean that you sit around for hours and hours at the dinner table, talk about everybody's day and, you know, whatever the case may be. Maybe even people are invited over, you know. Um, So these are the types of things that you want to talk about because otherwise you're just throwing yourselves right into the middle of being in this relationship 
um, and having to discover it piece by piece. Like just imagine, okay, we both took time off for July. We both took off July 6th to whatever, the 12th or whatever. We're go you know, we have a vacation plan. And then in June, you discover that you both had completely different views about what that's going to look like. And I know it seems like a small thing, but it's the small things that can really derail us in our relationships. It's unbelievable what you can argue about. I mean, I can remember having an argument with my husband about who took the pieces of cheese that were left in the drawer in the refrigerator because we were running low and nobody had been to the store and I had planned on eating it for lunch the next day and he wanted it then. And, and I was like, oh, my God, we're arguing over triangles of cheese, you know. So it's things like that can that can really cause a lot of difficulties. And so... It's important, if you want to be in a relationship, you're going to have to do the work to be in one. It's not always this glamorous thing. Don't get me wrong. It can be glamorous, and it can be something that is very, very beautiful in so many ways, but um, it's just like anything else. You know, you, you can envy somebody who has this really, really, you know, producing business that's bringing in a lot of money, but also you don't really see them when they're working till midnight or bringing their work home or sweating out the bills that they have to pay. Even though they're bringing a lot of money in, they have a lot of bills that they have to pay. You don't see all of that behind the scenes. You just look at the glamour part of it. And in a relationship, you have to do the work. And doing the work means that you have to take a good, strong look at yourself um, not just kind of projecting blame onto your partner. And you have to understand that just because your partner sees something a certain way doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means it's different from the way that you see it. So that's a real, real important thing to, um, to look into when you're starting to get involved in a relationship that you know um, is healthy. But one of the things that I've noticed is that there are a lot of people that just stay in very toxic and unhealthy relationships for long periods of time. And I'm noticing it a lot more and more. And I just really want to speak to the people right now, you know, no matter how you identify in your gender or, you know, your age or your race or whatever the case may be, we all have been subjected to the potential of having an unhealthy relationship at one time in our lives but some of them just go on a lot longer. And in, in my understanding of what I've seen is the most toxic ones are the ones that they start out very unhealthy and then they just continue and then maybe there's a breakup and then you get back together with them again and then you break up again and you come back together. And those relationships are so, so dangerous because of the fact that once you have broken up with somebody once, one time, or they've broken up with you, you kind of get over them and you move on and you're able to just mourn the loss of that person in your life, even if it was unhealthy. But then if you get back together again and things start to escalate, the tendency to just really lose it with one another and to just go to a whole other level of um, toxic communication goes up because of the fact that what do you have to lose now? You've already said goodbye. You've already gotten over them. So we can come back together so easily. We can break up so easily. And therefore, there's nothing to lose. So that's when you start to really see yourselves communicate in ways that you never thought that you would. And 
you know, we can be the most mature people in the world. We can be mature at work. We can be mature in church or in the community or in political situations. But in an unhealthy relationship or even in the healthy ones, when you're hitting a, a patch of some conflict, we can start acting like we're in middle school. We really can. The immaturity that can come out of us is surprising sometimes that you can actually react that way or kind of have those patterns um, that you never thought were there until they're sort of triggered. So what's really important is to understand that you're worth so much more than um, to be that person that's hooked up in an unhealthy relationship. And sometimes it's not just one person. And yes, there are abusive relationships that clearly are more coming from one side, but most of what I've seen has been a very unhealthy mix of two people that when they come together and they're in conflict and things escalate, it becomes quite the show of things that can happen, the yelling, the screaming, the the fighting, the throwing of objects. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, some of this stuff, it doesn't even happen in real time in front of one another, the text messages that can be so cutting and biting and the social media stuff that can be posted. I mean, it's just really horrific. Um, I've literally had clients that have sat in my counseling office and paid me to literally read the text messages that they sent one to the other so that I could analyze some of the text messages. And, you know, the first thing I always say is, please don't have any really, really important conversations through text messaging. Um, you know, it's not only can it be misconstrued, but also it's very passive aggressive. And if something super important has to be shared, face-to-face -face is the way to do it. Plan a time to get together and have a conversation and um, try to save the things that you have to say. Are we, are we so kind of removed from mature communication these days that we can't just wait sometimes and say, you know what, I'm just going to keep a little list of all the things we need to talk about and let's plan a time that we can have that conversation. But I see a lot of people compromising um, and taking what I would consider to be the scraps that fall from the table, you know, being in relationships just because they want somebody, especially females. I'm not saying it doesn't happen for both, but just from what I have seen, a lot of a lot of women that literally they just they just keep trying and trying and trying to get somebody in their lives. And it, it just becomes a disaster because it's constantly disrupting their lives. If they have children, it's di disrupting the lives of their children, um, causing them to be stuck in that sort of high school age. Because let's think about it. Dating starts around high school, college, right? So when people are dating when they're in their 40s or 50s, nothing's wrong with that. But it's kind of taking a pattern and behavior that we did when we were teenagers and then engaging in it when we're older. And so sometimes it kind of gets us stuck in that phase, that kind of juvenile phase. And um, we put our lives on hold and we can compromise a lot. And, and I always say, listen, you know what? It's, it's better to be alone and to have your life focused and to have goals and dreams than to be in a situation where 
you know, you're waiting on this other person and this person who's not on the same page with you and doesn't necessarily have the same goals and dreams and maybe doesn't even have your best interest at heart is kind of pulling you along in this direction that you never wanted to go. And you have the right to decide who you want to be with. But I will say you do have to have the courage to be able to say, you know what, it's okay for me to be alone. You know, it's okay for me to not be alone because I can't find anybody because I'm in the middle of a hunt, but to literally have a season of your life where you decide I am not going to be searching for somebody. I'm going to table this for now. And I'm going to give myself a period of time where I can really, really get focused. And that's when people have the most productive times of their lives when, you know, they're not, you know, in a relationship where they're responsible for that accountability to someone else, because it is a part of that lifestyle of being in a relationship. You don't just do whatever you want to do, you coordinate. And there's a time where that coordination is something that um, requires kind of, all right, I might have to postpone this, or I might have to change this around. But if you're single, you know, you can really just kind of run with it, you know. So I just want you to know that um, I, I have seen a lot of women that have really compromised on what is good for them. Like there have been some women that have been in these relationships and I've just said to them, you know, a relationship where maybe the the man that they're dating just has said, I don't really want anything. I don't want to be in a relationship. Basically, you know, I'm just, I'm not committing to you in any possible way, but I'll come over. I'll come over on Saturday night. I'll come over, whatever. And I just say to them, listen, it's not a judgment, but I really believe that, you know, you were created to be a bride. You know, you were created to have that day where you could be publicly affirmed, where somebody says to you and you say to them out loud in a public assembly, that I have chosen to love you and I have chosen to live my life with you. I have selected you and that it is declared. And it's not just about a party. It's not just about an event. It's literally about a declaration. And some people have gone their whole lives and they've, they've just never had that because they, they, they take the scraps from the table and they end up with people who just really, they're just playing at this point. They may have wanted a committed relationship at some point in their lives, but they don't anymore. And that's, that's on them. That's their decision, but it doesn't have to be yours. And, um, you know, you can be a whole person and should be a whole person without that partner having to be there in your life. But when you do have a partner, it will only bring you to another level. Um, and a lot of times this comes from dealing with a lot of rejection, you know, a lot of times we've been rejected by parents, we've been rejected by peers. And um, what happens is as time goes on, that pain from that rejection just plays itself out in these relationships. And so I have found that with females, when they get rejected repeatedly, they tend to, not always, but they tend to set themselves up to get rejected again and again and again. They have this relationship, it works out poorly, they get into another one right away or they pick another person, the same type of character or person, they get rejected again and it gets worse and worse and worse. Um, but with males, I find that males, a lot of times when they first fall in love, they give their whole hearts. I mean, it is reckless abandonment. They just give their whole hearts. But when they get hurt, 
after that, they tend to shut down emotionally. And it's just, it's like their way of dealing with rejection. And they tend to really then have relationships that aren't a lot of emotional intimacy. And um, they might go through the motions. They might invest a little bit. They might have the physical stuff going on for sure. But they're shut down emotionally because they don't want to get hurt again. And so those two factors definitely play into a lot of the things that happen in relationships um, that end up negatively um, kind of coming to a close that's not favorable. And so I just want you to really be aware of the fact that, you know, you can have a healthy relationship that is one that is like the movies in a lot of ways. It's not always going to be like that. It's going to be like the relationships you see in the movies but also the the part of the movie that they don't show, which is what happens the day after they get together or a year after they get married or whatever the case may be. But relationships should be beautiful. They should be um, something that has an impact, not only on one another positively, but on the community around them. So I'm going to be talking about, in our next episode, I'm going to be talking about you know, some of what should happen in the right type of a relationship, um, the elements of what should be there to make it successful and some of the things that I've experienced. But I just want to encourage you as, you know, I'm closing out that um, no matter where you are in this journey, whether you're in a relationship, I want you to know that it can be better and it can go to another level. If you're single and you're dating somebody and you know that they fall into that category of somebody who is just not really wanting to commit to you or somebody that's not valuing you, then I want to encourage you to raise the bar, raise the bar. You know, it's time for you to think more highly of yourself, no matter who you are, and to make a decision that you're going to really look for exactly what it is that you want. And that if you have to wait longer, you do. I remember Shirley Caesar, who is a famous gospel artist, didn't get married until she was in her 60s, actually, and or late 50s. And she married a bishop. And I remember her saying um, that people would ask her, you know, why did you wait so long to get married? And her answer would be, uh, why didn't you wait? Because now you're alone. You know, so her whole point is that if you wait and it takes a lot longer, but you end up with the right person, I mean, that was an amazing marriage, you know. If you wait for the right person, then it's going to go well for you. But if you jump too soon, you will probably find yourself settling and um, in a relationship that doesn't thrive. And, you know, you're, you're better than that. I want to just tell you, all of the listeners, that you're better than all of that. You're, you're better than those past relationships or the one that you're in that might not be healthy. You're worth more than that. You're worth more than getting the scraps from the table. You're worth more than um, somebody who is not thinking about you or committing themselves to you or somebody who's, you know, sharing himself, herself around with other people. Um, you deserve to be the center of their attention. They deserve to be the center of your attention and a household should be healthy, and it starts with the partnership that you choose. So stay tuned for the next episode because we're going to go a little bit deeper in this. In collaboration with IML Productions, this has been your host, Ginger Wilk, with That Which Matters. Thank you for listening.